Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. Right, this is Father's Day. I was greeted by a couple of my children this morning and said, Happy Father's Day, and they got me started out right. It's a nice greeting. Uh, I came this morning thinking... I'm not going to, I felt like I have a word that's not particularly a Father's Day word, but then uh, as we were worshiping, the Lord took me to some place that uh, I hadn't intended on sharing, but you probably thought I would be sharing, because it's Malachi 4, 6. You know that scripture, it says, and he will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the land with a curse. We know that when he does restore the hearts of the fathers to the children and children to the fathers, that results in a blessing. It brings blessing. So God is at work to restore us to each other, the fathers to the children, children to the fathers. And the thing I wanted to observe here is that the fathers take the lead on this. The fathers take the initiative on this. Dads, that's our role, is to take the lead to, to show love and affection and care and counsel and guidance into the, notice, into the heart of the children. He's going to restore what? The heart. We have to learn to speak the language of the heart. I brought a message, a couple messages recently about the language of the heart. It's so important to know what the language of the heart is and to be able to speak to the heart, not just to the head, but to the heart of your child. And dads, you take the initiative. And it's powerful when you do that. Uh, I was raised in a generation when it wasn't manly to show affection in any way, to hug or, you know, to show some kind of physical expression. That is a curse from God, from, not from God, from the enemy, a curse from the enemy into a culture when men think it's not manly to show affection. It's just it's sick and wrong. We have to, if, and if it's not, if, you, if your dad wasn't affectionate in that way toward you, then you have to learn how to do that yourself. You have to start doing that yourself. And um, just a little bit of counsel. I'm not preaching yet, by the way. I'm still, I'm just. Yeah, dads, you can start, if you're not comfortable with affection uh, with your children, uh, start just by praying with them and just holding their hand or putting your hand on their shoulder. Just start there. And and um, begin to touch and show affection. I mean, your goal is to be able to hug your children. That's what the Father does. And embrace that. And look them in the eye and say, I love you. You want to get there. I had a son that was going through a particular challenge, difficult time. It wasn't rebellion, and we weren't at odds, but it was painful. And I remember looking him in the eye, and I said to him, 
I carry you in my heart every day. I never stop thinking about you. He stepped back and he looked me in the eye as like he'd never had a, a clue or an idea that that's how I felt about him. But I wanted to be sure he knew how his father felt about him in this difficult time, in this struggle that he's going through. Dads, you have to take the lead. If they're silent and they pull back, there's a heart problem. It's something, it's something that's wounded and hurt, and so they're, they're going to pull back. So, so you have to win their hearts. Your assignment as a dad is to win the hearts of your children. And if you do, you'll bring unity into the home. You'll bring blessing into the home. You'll bring where they're under a curse because of the distance that's between the two of you. Where they're under a curse, they're going to come under a blessing. And I got to thinking about this. We've, of all these years on Father's Day, we share these scriptures or through whenever we teach about fathers. And we look at it on a horizontal plane between earthly dads and their children. But today, I had a, just a freshness of, of uh, appreciation that this is true about our Heavenly Father. That He takes the initiative with us. That's what He did when He sent Jesus to die for us. He took the initiative to show His love, that His love was limitless, that His, that his love was without end, and that, he, that you can't... You can't hide from it because, I mean, he's done everything possible to show you by taking the initiative of sending his son to die for our sin so that you would know you're loved by your Father in heaven. He took initiative. And then the second thought I had is, in uh, all these church services all these years, when it comes to Father's Day, the greatest father is the Father in heaven. And uh, I don't know that we've ever stopped and said Happy Father's Day to him. And I thought, that might be cool. Why don't we do that? Why don't we say, you're, the, you're a good dad. You're the greatest father. Happy Father's Day to you, our Father in heaven. You want to do that? All right, tell him. Just tell him, Happy Father's Day. Father... Happy Father's Day to you. Oh, that was kind of fun, wasn't it? Did you ever do that in church before? No? All right. Now, well, I could keep talking about fathers. My grandfathers were raised in a time. It's really emotional for me. They were raised in a time when it was not manly, you know, to show affection. And I, I've seen how that's affected their children and gone through the family and the grandchildren. It's a curse. But see, we're reversing that. We're reversing that. A lot of you know what I'm talking about. It's come down through the generations, but we're reversing that curse 
And we're showing the Father's love to each other and to our children. And, and what you're, when you love your children, you're also setting something in place for your grandchildren. You're touching the generations. Somebody's made a turn here, and that's us, to bring blessing where there's been curse. By pouring out the Father's love. When I die, I pray that's one of the things that those that, that my kids will say. I pray they'll know their dad loved them. He didn't do everything right. There's a lot of things that could have improved, but I know he loved me. I hope that's what in you, dads, that are here, I pray that that will be true for your family. Okay, amen? Now, how much time do I have? <laughs> well, nobody, nobody told me, so I guess it's not limited. Huh? It's just, am I in Africa? I can just keep going. <laughs> when Willie comes here from Africa, I have to tell him, remember, you know... <laughs> This isn't Africa, Willie. We've got to keep it like this. <clears throat> okay, Pastor Walt. Don't you enjoy him when he comes? Yeah. All right, we've got a team in uh, Brazil, and I'm going to, at the end, I'm going to share just a little bit more uh, about the video, what they talked about. It's just a great story. But first, I want to, uh, I want to deliver. A word for you. I'm not really going to teach. You know, usually I warn you if I'm trying to teach. <laughs> I try to give you warnings. <clears throat> we, I forget it. I won't try to explain that. But um, those of you who've been around know what that, I mean by that. Okay, Matthew 26, 32. This is, this is, I just want to spend a little bit of time here and release a word to you. So, so Lord, would you re- release a word to us right now? We could hear from heaven. We could hear something in our spirit that's going to change us. Amen? We're not going to walk out of here the same because we heard something from the Lord. I've only got two with you. After all that, after all that, two. Amen. All right. Uh, Matthew 26, 32. But after I, this is Jesus speaking. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. That seems like a simple statement. He's just talking to his disciples and let them know when I'm raised from the dead, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go to Galilee. That's where I'm going to go. On the surface, that seems pretty. Straightforward, doesn't seem to have much impact or much meaning, but here is the revelation of what really is being said here. After I have been risen, let's look at that. He's telling them that he is going to be the risen Christ. Now, his, the fact is that it was the cross and his death, and his resurrection is the full message of the gospel, the good news. 
The power of the good news is in his resurrection. We talk about his resurrection and the manifestation of that power when we talk about healing and miracles and signs and wonders and those and restoration, reconciliation, those kind of things. And some people say, well, that's really all your emphasis is about. But that's not true. We never forget the anchor to everything on the resurrection side is what happened by him going to the cross. We never forget the cross. And the fact is, we always have to go to the cross ourselves. He said daily, take up your cross. It's the death to ourselves that releases the life and the power of the resurrected Christ in our life. He said, after I have been raised. Sometimes I think we pray not really stopping to remember he is alive. He's the living, resurrected Son of God. We need to pray with that awareness. We need to live with that awareness. Yes, we go to the cross as he went to the cross. We die to ourselves, but that death will bring a life. So it should release faith to us. It should strengthen us and bring an awareness that our God is not dead, but our God is alive. He's the resurrected Christ. He's the one we're praying to and through to the Father. Let's never forget that. And let's keep it in our awareness. He's been raised. He said, after I've been raised, I will go before you. Now that's good to have someone go before you. Um, when, when you are in a difficult place and you need help, it's good to have somebody who will go before you and prepare the way for you. Um, <laughs> this, in its simplest way is you're running late and you're with some people and they say, I'll wait in line and get a table for you at the restaurant. They're going before you. They're making a way for you, so when you walk in, you don't have to wait. You just walk in. Someone has gone before you. And what he's saying to his disciples here is that, I'm going to go before you and make a way for you. The resurrected Christ, the one with the power of God living in him, he said, I'm going to go before you. Just like the cloud went before Israel in the wilderness God went before his children. He even told Cyrus, I'm going to go before you, Cyrus, on behalf of my children. I'm going to make a way for my children. And uh, the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to go before you, you who are the king, watching over them. The point I'm just trying to make here as we look at this scripture is that God doesn't leave us to go alone by ourselves and make a way for ourselves. He makes a way for us. There was an old song I heard years ago, and I was in a very difficult, tight spot. And I didn't know what I was going to do. Financially, it was a real challenge, and I was just like, I need help. And I heard, I think it was Laronel Harris, come and sing this song, God will make a way when there seems to be no way. I remember that song coming on the radio, and I just sat there and wept. Yes, God will make a way when there seems to be no way. 
That's because he goes before us. He said, I, the resurrected Christ, when I raise from the dead, I will go before you. And then he says, I will go to Galilee. And you know, all these years I've read this, and that just doesn't register with me. Okay, he went to Galilee. What's the big deal? He went to Galilee. Well, let's talk a little bit about Galilee, because we're going to get to the heart of the the revelation of this word. Galilee had a reputation. The, it was a northern portion of Israel, and it was called the Galilee of the Gentiles. So it was not uh, really uh, the, at the center of the, of the Jewish nation. It was at the northern part. It was kind of separated from the rest of the Jews in that way. And they were known to be impulsive, of simple manners, excitable, passionate, and violent. They were quarrelsome. They were not good with the language. So they didn't handle the language accurately or well. They had uh, absurd malpronunciations and ridiculous mistakes in their language. And there was a general contempt of the rabbis' circles, the rabbinic circles, for anything Galilean. Now, you remember when Peter was at the crucifixion, they could pick him out because of his dialect. They said, oh, you're from Galilee, just by the way he talked. Just like we do in this country. You can tell if somebody's from Texas or not, right? I didn't say it's bad. I'm just saying you can tell the difference. Right? Or from the north part. And I'll leave that all alone because I can tell that's going the wrong way. So, (laughs) the name Galilean was applied by way of reproach to the early Christians. And so the emperor, Roman emperor Julian, known as the apostate and a philosopher and Greek writer, he used the term when speaking of Christ or the Christians in a way of reproach, and he even made a law that Jesus be called the Galilean God because he, he wanted to, uh, them to abolish the name Christian. So the idea here is that Jesus said, after I've risen... I will go before you to Galilee. And I'm just wanting to stop and let you understand that Galilee was not the prime uh, place uh, of, um, you know, of honor. Of, you know, it was a place of reproach instead. And then it's interesting what the scripture says in Matthew uh, chapter 14. No, I'm sorry. Chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Now when Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody, he withdrew into Galilee. And uh, leaving Nazareth, he came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Okay, here's what Isaiah said about the people of of Galilee. Verse 15, the last part of 15. By the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Note this, verse 16. The people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. And those who were sitting in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent or change your mind, change your heart. 
change your ways, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What's the commentary about Galilee? It's a place where people are sitting in darkness. It's a place where people are under a shadow of death. So that was the prophecy, and that's the very place that Jesus went. That's the place that Jesus said, I'm going to go before you. I'm going to go to this place that is dark, this place of reproach, this place where there's a shadow of death, this place of difficulty and challenge. That's where I'm going to go. I'll meet you there. I'll go ahead, and I'll be there when you get there. Is anybody getting this parallel? That's true for us. He's, oh, he's, he's the resurrected Christ who is going before us. And where he is going is into this place that will be a dark place for us, a, a place of reproach for us, a difficult place for us, but that's where he'll be. And it goes, he goes on to say in Matthew, it says, and I will be seen there. He will show himself there. He will manifest himself there. That's the place he'll manifest himself. In your dark place. Some years ago, I was in Africa, in the Congo, and uh, they gave us a little candle for the room. That's all I had. And uh, you blow out the candle and talk about deep, dark Africa. I mean, I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. I, I, I could not see. And then I remember sitting on the edge of that bed thinking, this is, oh, this is not comfortable. My eyes are open, and, I, and it's just like they're closed. I can't see a thing. It felt kind of awkward and strange. But I had this little pen flashlight. I'm in a new world. That's the way it is with Jesus. The dark place you sit in, the challenging place that you're in, the light of his, resur- uh, his resurrection, the light of his revelation, when his word becomes alive to you and comes into your heart, it changes your environment. It changes your circumstances in the sense that Life has come. Light has come. Direction, wisdom, counsel, help, strength, peace. You know what I'm talking about. You can be anxious when the revelation of Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, comes into you and he speaks to you about your situation or he just comes and rests upon you. Just his presence alone changes you. You're a, you, all the anxiety leaves you. And the peace comes into you. The joy comes to rest upon you. That's the revelation that we all need. We need to live in this place of revelation. But what's interesting is that that place of revelation is that place where it feels dark and alone. Where you feel like you're on your own. Where you feel like there's no help. Where you feel like, I don't know how to make a way for myself. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. It's in that place Jesus has already gone ahead of you. And he's there to bring revelation. He said, I'll show myself there. 
in that place. You will see me in that place. That's what he said to his disciples. The angels even said, in Galilee, that's where you'll see Jesus. Just to do a quick review about Galilee, of how the light came to Galilee, is the fact that when you look at Jesus' ministry, you find that the first three Gospels were written largely uh, in Christ's ministry. They were written largely in Galilee. It was in Galilee that most of the disciples came from. And 32 of his, I'm sorry, 19 of his 32 parables were spoken in Galilee. Uh, 25 of his 33 miracles, recorded miracles, were performed in Galilee. Galilee is where he spoke the Sermon on the Mount. Galilee is where he was transfigured on the Mount of the presence of Peter, James, and John. And Galilee is where he would ascend into the heavens as the disciples watched. Galilee was a place that was dark that became light. And so I want to close today with that word for you. Wherever there's a darkness that's enveloped you, wherever there's a confusion, wherever there's an uncertainty, wherever you feel that somehow you've disqualified yourself, (laughs) it's just not true. Because he's already, the resurrected Christ has already gone before you. And he's already there in that place that seems dark to you. And he's ready to show himself, to bring the revelation of his goodness, of his love, of his faithfulness, of his deliverance, of his peace, of his joy. He's ready to bring the kingdom of God to flood right into your heart and change your life. So let's bow our heads. Some of you are sitting here today and you need the encouragement of the truth that Jesus is going ahead of you. You have, some, you have an uncertain future. You're not sure how it's going to work out. I can tell you I've been there many, many times. Some of you feel like you're alone and the circumstances are a little overwhelming. And the uncertainty gets to be too much at times. And the doubts assail and the fears run rampant. It's a dark place. Oh, it's not dark for you on the physical realm but in your soul there's a darkness resting on your soul and so now the resurrected Christ is coming to you today through this word and letting you know that he's gone before you he's already gone before you and This is the place to meet him. This is the place to see him. He turns Galilee from a dark place to a place of light. He turns it from a place where there's death into life. Father, I pray for a release 
of your presence, an impartation of your presence into the darkness of anyone's soul sitting here feeling lost and alone and confused. I pray the revelation of the risen Christ into their soul right now. Renew their spirit. Fill them with fresh hope. This is the place where you turn darkness into light. This is the place where you take death and make it life. This is the place where the shadow of death is removed from us and the shadow of doubt is taken away and the fears that assail us are removed and the presence of the Lord comes and brings the revelation of a Father who loves us, who pursues us, who doesn't quit, who's done everything that He could do to let us know that He wants to hold us and embrace us and love us and care for us and He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He'll never leave us alone. He'll always be with you. He'll always be with you. He's gone before you. You can't go any place that he hasn't already gone ahead of you. He'll be there. I like that little book where the boy talks about going to heaven. And he comes back and he talks to a pastor who's dying. And he says to him, don't be afraid. The first person you see will be Jesus. Jesus will be ahead. Jesus has already gone ahead. He's already there to receive you. He'll be there for you. Let that assurance flow in your heart right now. In the uncertainty that's in front of you, let the assurance He's gone ahead of you and He loves you. He'll embrace you. He'll receive you. Let that assurance flow deep into your heart this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I'm going to close with a quick story from Pastor Didi from the Brazilian team. Hailing from Brazil, we went into the dangerous place with machine guns and people on every corner. It just reminded me of the pirates of the Caribbean for some weird reason. There were all of us walking the streets like a huge parade, and we would stop and ask people if they wanted us to pray for them. It was something. Everyone has stories of those prayers. Then we met at the center of this downtown place and did a few worship songs, and then Ed took the mic and told them that we are all the same people all over the world, and all of us need love. Yay, Ed. Go, Ed. So then we walked back to where this pastor who has respect from all of these people, from the pastor of the church was. It was a large rectangular cement building with big windows that were cut in the concrete, and they were just open to the air. The main drug lord of the huge community came inside and started crying over all his murders and all the bad things he had done. The pastor introduced him to John and Luke and said, This is my friend who does very bad things. He came forward and gave his life to the Lord with two people who were with him. So three of them gave their life to the Lord. Then Alex went up to him in the back and told him that God liked him, not only loved him, and that she had a word of knowledge that the Lord was going to remove the addictions and provide for him. 
She didn't know he was the drug lord when she gave this word to him. He started to cry and ask if it were really true. He asked that if it were true, then could God heal his son who had lung problems and couldn't breathe? Alex said yes. Way to go, Alex. (laughs) He would heal him. So she prayed for him and then asked how he was doing. And he opened up his lungs and took a big breath with his shoulders wide and was amazed that he was healed and that he could take deep breaths of air. He invited Alex and the pastors to his house to pray for his family. It was an amazing night. There were over 10 people who gave their lives to the Lord. Totally wild. Then she said, we have seen the Lord touch a man who was addicted to Coke and gave his life, not Coca-Cola, Coke, the truck. (laughs) Gave his life to the Lord. He lived in the slums. There's so many stories of God's amazing, amazing love. The people in Brazil were sitting in darkness, and the shadow of death was over them. But a team carrying the name of Jesus, the resurrected Christ, went to Brazil, and a great light came upon them. That's what's happened with our Brazil team. That's what's happened. Let the light of Jesus shine in our lives and let it shine into a dark world and let relationships be restored and people set free from addictions and bodies healed and reconciliation come and restoration come And let us see the glory of the Lord cover the earth. Let's let the resurrected Christ in us turn the darkness that's in our world into light. He'll go before you. That's why Alice could say, yeah, he'll he'll hear your son. (laughs) She knew Jesus would go before her. Amen? Let's stand. What a happy Father's Day. Our Father is in heaven. He loves us. May the love of the Father rest on you. We always give you an opportunity to receive prayer before you go, so I'd like to call the ministry team. There will be words on the screen for physical healing. These words are words of knowledge. I had one given to me earlier someone here jammed uh, uh, injury on the right foot some kind of injury in the right foot the last two toes that's another word of knowledge if you'd like to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior be baptized in the Holy Spirit or if you'd like prayer for physical healing or any other need just come to this team as the rest of you go that way enjoy your Father's Day please come forward for prayer God bless you we'll see you next week